Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. You're tuned in to episode 98 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast, and I'm Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. And it's Wednesday evening like we always do, and we're creeping closer to that 100th episode. On that 100th episode, we'll be bringing a guest, uh, which is confirmed this morning, which is fantastic. So we've got a little location that we can pitch up in and get the interview done there. And I hope you guys are going to really enjoy that. Um, and I'm venturing into a new a new kind of area as well, right? So come along for the journey and check that show out. It's going to be released as episode 100. So we've got 98 today, 99 next week, and then we'll release that one. But that interview is happening next week. <clears throat> and with any luck, if this thing gains momentum as we're continuing to see, then we want to bring more guests to you and I'm reaching out to them all the time. Uh, you know, that's just going to add different flavor, different context to the show. And hopefully that's going to be the next step for us along with putting this thing on video so you guys can get it on YouTube as well. That's definitely in the plans. It's super muggy today. So if I'm listening, if I'm, uh, if I'm drinking a lot of water, bear with me. But, uh, thanks for tuning in. You're back again. If you found us on iTunes, great. We're also on Spotify and SoundCloud, and you can always follow updates on Twitter. We put the links to all the shows on there, plus some comment, uh, comments and interactions with people across the internet, whether that be you know, opposing opinions, whatever it may be. We get involved a little bit on that, so you can find us there as well. But we're going to go through the stuff that's been that's been going on. I think... We'll call you know it's going to be from the frivolous to the horrendous, really. Um, but there's a few things that I want to talk about up front. But then I really want to get into a little bit more about perhaps you've heard of this Jeffrey Epstein uh, case that's been going on in America. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that because it's 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 some dark it's some dark stuff uh, surrounding this and really runs it all the way up the flagpole and every time I read about it and every time I dig into it you know I can't help but seeing it be a movie um but it's it's some horrible horrible stuff that's going on um but we'll get into that a little bit later on also going to talk about Amazon um and the NHS and this integration that's been announced today and I want to get into that as well because I don't think anybody's asking any questions uh pertaining to data let's just put it that way and we'll get into it a little bit um, but I think we start with the frivolous, right? Cause we can kind of wash over that. And, and one of the things that I wanted to comment on this week was something that happened a couple of days ago. Now, Wimbledon's in its second week, right? Great tournament. If you like tennis, um, I haven't been paying a terrible amount of attention to it this, this time around. Uh, but it's a great day out if you're ever in London in the summer, or if you haven't been and you live here, that's a that's a shame. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was, like, celebrities and whatnot have boxes there at center court, and there's a royal box as well because Wimbledon status and the what is it, the Royal Lawn uh, and Tennis Association or something like that, uh, you know, and Kate Middleton uh right the duchess 
she's the patron, I believe, for that. Now, you always see celebrities there, especially as the tournament goes on and you get down to the you know quarterfinals, semifinals, etc. It becomes quite a hot ticket. And our newest princess, Meghan Markle, pitched up there a couple of days ago, but made demands from her by her security team that people weren't allowed to take photos of her and that it was to be a private experience. And this was to be something that was, again, enforced by her security detail. And I just think to myself, if you don't want your picture taken and you're who you are, plus you were some sort of, I guess, TV actress before that, where you counted on people taking your picture, who the fuck do you think you are? You're a celebrity. You're the British version of the Kardashians, in my opinion. The royals are nothing more than a tourist attraction. You know, they've got some charity set up, which is fantastic, but if they didn't have their privileged position in life... Who knows what charities would be out there from them, let's just say. But I just think the audacity of somebody in, in that sort of position, attending that sort of event, making a demand of privacy is hilarious. If you don't want your picture taken at Wimbledon, stay home. <laughs> or watch it from backstage. But if you want to sit on center court... Expect people to take pictures. I mean, the the incredulity of this is ridiculous to me. And I just, all I can keep saying to myself about it is, who the fuck do you think you are? Princess Megan? Like, get out of here. You're no, like, you're a celebrity. That's what people care about. They only take, you. they only care about seeing your picture. People who give a shit about you in any way, shape or form. Because you sound like a nightmare. She sounds like a, she sounds like an absolute nightmare. But I just thought the nerve, the audacity of some people to to say things like that is just it's just gross. It's kind of gross. I'm just like stay home. Like don't don't pitch up. Don't come. Because if you're sitting in the most famous seats in the most famous tennis tournament in the world, fans are going to take your picture. So I just thought that was kind of ridiculous. Um, but I personally, I think she's a bit, she seems like a nightmare to me. But anyways, that's not for me to judge. Um, I just think her behavior in this particular instance was was pretty ridiculous and, and completely uncalled for and completely unrealistic, by the way. Um, but that's all I'm going to say on that because it doesn't it doesn't demand or warrant any further discussion. It was just a stupid thing for her to do and it just shows the type of privilege that she's clearly, you know, and easily adopted. So, yeah, it's just kind of gross. But um the other thing I wanted to talk about was something that we something that we discussed on the last episode and that was this ad campaign that had the word obesity in big letters on a cigarette package. 
and these posters were, you know, strewn all over the city of London. I don't know if it's gone further afield than that. But in my opinion, they're brilliant. And what has happened, which we touched on, is this fat shaming claim. This fat shaming claim by people who are overweight or their virtue signaling saying that this is fat shaming. When cancer research have said that obesity is a major cause, the second most or the first most in some cases, cause of cancer of the top four cancers. I mean, this is not a a body positivity issue. This is a health crisis. We have a health epidemic in this country. And in the Western world in general. But in this country, we have, a, we have an obesity problem. We have an obesity problem from childhood to death. And the fact that cancer research has come out with this ad campaign is, in my opinion, fantastic. And the people out there that are claiming fat shame is a perfect example of this victim culture that we find ourselves in. It's in full effect. And I think people are starting to actually call bullshit on it now. Right? There's a real sort of hit back on this because, again, obesity has nothing to do with a body positive mindset. You being okay with being unhealthy is irrational, delusional, and dangerous. There is no longevity for the happiness of you there's no quality of life for you and the thing about obesity is that the run-on effects that it has from a cardiovascular point of view or from a diabetes point of view or from a i got i mean you name it not only affects the afflicted but it also affects those around you the people who have to take care of you the people who have to make sure you've got your insulin. The people who, I mean, you're not in this alone. And to cop out on some victim culture shit like fat shaming, I think people are starting to recognize what this is. And I've talked about virtue signaling in the past for those who are not afflicted with obesity. And some people have a proclivity to gain and sustain more weight than others. Metabolism is a real thing. There are many, many physiological issues, psychological issues that can lead to this sort of result. But that doesn't make it any less a health crisis. That doesn't make it a body positive. It it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. So for those that want to lay on thick this victim culture of fat shaming who don't suffer from this affliction are virtue signaling because they don't suffer from the problems that the people who have this obesity crisis in their lives on a daily basis suffer with. They just don't. 
So maybe they care, maybe they care about body positivity. That's fantastic. But does, do they care about health? Do they care about quality of life? Do they care about the fact that childhood diabetes is up? Every year for what the last, I think decade, it's insane. So again, I applaud cancer research for putting this out and to anybody that's on that fat shaming kind of victim culture mentality, whether you're virtue signaling because you're not afflicted by it or you're just kind of in that boat that doesn't want to do anything or really own up to the hard truths of what your situation is. I say, take a hard look because you're doing a massive disservice to yourself and to those around you. And for once, advertising seems to have contributed to a national conversation. I'm not saying it never does, but it almost never does. It has a very low success rate advertising. That's the dirty secret that nobody talks about. Most advertising is a flop. But it seems that this campaign has created somewhat of a dialogue. Of course, you get both sides. You get the fact-based science around this. You get the other things that we've been talking about. But at least it's opened up a conversation and at least it seems to be highlighting the BS that is on that other side that doesn't like facts, that doesn't like science, that doesn't like holding a mirror up and taking a hard look at themselves. There is dialogue and that's positive. So again, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm in complete favor of this. We need to treat obesity for the crisis that it is and handle it appropriately more initiatives need to be started through school. More families need to be active. I mean, it's a whole culture shift. It's a whole lifestyle change. And if this can draw somebody's attention, if some little kid says to their mom and dad who's overweight, mommy, is that true? And it makes that mom think, fuck, I've, I'm killing myself as if I'm smoking a pack a day. And the truth of the matter is that they are probably overweight and smoking and if you mix those two you are in for an early grave you're talking about clogged arteries you're talking about hypertension you're talking about all kinds of problems you're talking about emphysema you're talking about whatever you know start laying it on we got to be real with people that fat model that was on the cover of cosmopolitan last year and the editor sitting there defending her choice to do it from a body positivity, uh, uh, body positivity perspective, horrendous, irresponsible, completely irresponsible. We have to stop this. I'm seeing these fat models on TV like it's something to behold. And I'm not saying everybody has to be model skinny. I don't like that. I think that's equally unhealthy. I think that's equally unhealthy. You have to live a healthy lifestyle. You have to be happy in your skin. Yes, you can be happy if you're overweight, but I don't truly believe that you're as happy as you could be if you're overweight. 
because your body's under pressure. It's under stress. That's just the fact of it. So I hope the dialogue around this campaign continues and I hope we see more emphasis on this obesity crisis because it is exactly that. The next thing I wanted to talk about really hurts my heart. I don't know if you guys know the extent of how much of an animal lover I really am. But it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, I, like, I love my animals, man. I love them. I love my dogs. I love my cats. If I could have a farm and have a hundred of everything, I would. Um, you know, I'm one of those idiots that's like, oh, it hurts me more to see an animal hurt than it does uh, to see a human get hurt. But it's kind of true. It's kind of true, man. They got they got a, a soft. I got a soft spot for them. Um, so now that I've completely emasculated myself on the show, let me tell you what I'm fucking talking about. Um, there was footage of this festival in Spain, and Spain got some weird traditions, man. They need to let go of this shit. Um, this uh, it's called Rapas de Bestas, right? It means capture the beasts. It's a festival in Spain, and all they do is trap a bunch of semi-feral horses in an arena, like a bullfighting arena, like like a like a ring like that. And then they throw like 150, 200 people in there with those horses. I don't know how many horses there are, but there's a bunch of them. Ponies, you know, little kid like little baby horses all the way up. And these fucking animals, like these people, I say these animals, it's the people that are acting like the animals. Uh they like wrestle them. They go and yank their necks. They drag them down to the ground, all to like clip their hair a little bit. I'm gonna clip their tail and clip their clip their mane. And it's like one of those rites of passage type of festivals. But you should see these scumbags. They just go there to fuck up these horses and hurt these horses. It's ridiculous. The horses are clearly distressed. There's like three or four people around one little horse's neck. It's disgusting. It's like if we are we're still in that lane. As a society, as a civilization, like as a culture, like if your culture, Spain, is dependent on this festival, get the fuck out of here. It's like the running of the bulls or, or like, you know, the bullfighting. It's like you're still into stabbing a bull with a fucking sword while it bleeds out. You're still into that? You guys are losers. Anybody that attends one of those festivals is a fucking loser. Straight up. Got no time for you. You attend the running of the bulls, I hope one of them tramples you. I hope one of them tramples you. It's fucking pointless. It's fucking pointless. Those bulls are scared. They don't know what the fuck is going on. They can barely stand up on those cobble streets. It's like, we haven't moved past this? Do you know what I'm talking about? We haven't let this go where we need to wrestle horses to prove that we're a man? Get out of here with this shit. You've got the lychee and dog meat festival still going on in China. Like, that's some tradition, they say. It's our tradition. It's our tradition. It was started in, like, 2009. And it's horrendous. It's one of the... It wouldn't. If I had Jeff Bezos' money, that would not happen. That, that would not happen. Not at all. I would shut that shit down. I would shine every fucking light... Every fucking camera on that issue straight away. 
it's a nine-day festival where they eat dogs and leeches. They eat dogs and leeches. You know how many dogs they eat over nine days? Take a guess. Between 10 and 15,000 dogs are consumed over that festival. Check it out. Check it out. It's disgusting. So I just think to myself, like, how does this, how, how, how are we this primitive still? How do we not know better? How can we not leave some of these just in, just like, it's, asinine the right word I don't even know if that's the right word but like completely pointless and you hold on to them by calling them tradition get a new tradition don't do that how about your tradition is not to wrestle horses and to go and watch the horses run around in their natural environment how about that how about wrestle each other to the death even so then some of you fucking morons aren't even around anymore how about that Picking on innocent animals. I see a video on uh, on YouTube or on, on Instagram the other day. I don't even know how it came through. But it was like some guy kicking a cat. I mean, to me, this is just... It's just behavior we cannot tolerate. We should not tolerate. And if you're that type of person, then my feelings have been made on previous shows about what I think about you and what I think should be done with you. Um, like for like punishment, that's a nice one. But I think mandatory minimums, and we talk about, talked about the um, animal, animal abuse increase, uh, like kind of min, uh, maximum penalty that uh, Michael Gove introduced a few weeks back. I think it needs to be much stiffer than that. But... I saw this festival with the horses and I just had to talk about it because I don't know. I'm sure lots of people have seen it by now, but it just rubs me the wrong way. And I think it's just disgraceful. And the fact that any of these types of things exist just shows our complete lack of evolution. You know, we're so far ahead with technology and we're so advanced with so many things. But on a on a on a mentality of equality, you know, where whereas our mentality in terms of equality of, of creatures goes, we are. We are in no way an egalitarian species. We have no egalitarian thoughts. We're just like, yep, they're less than us. They can't hunt. They can't shoot. So uh, they can't hunt us. So we'll shoot them and we'll eat them, you know, or we'll shoot them for fun and put their put their heads above our fireplaces. I mean, trophy hunting? What are you talking about? I understand the conservation aspect of it and all of that, but we don't need to shoot lions, you know, elephants giraffes let nature take its course do some culling if the populations get out of order i understand that but all of this stuff needs to stop anyways that's where we are with that yeah um what else do we want to talk about so recently someone leaked some emails that um kim dara had written in his official capacity as, as as ambassador to the U.S. Within those emails that were leaked, he had said how inept and dysfunctional and chaotic the U.S. administration currently is. To which 
Donald Trump went on a tweet tirade over the course of a couple of days calling this man stupid and ignorant and nobody likes him and we're not doing business with him anymore and we will not, you know, just a, an absolute tirade. And we watched the debates, the PM debates last night, to which Jeremy Hunt said, I will keep him on until he retires at Christmas. He's retiring in six months, five months. It comes out this afternoon that he's resigned, saying he is unable to perform his duties under the current situation. And this is horrendous because if you don't think he was pushed to resign because of the tantrum that Donald Trump has gone on, then you're completely fooling yourself. This guy did nothing wrong, and we have now had domestic policy influenced by the tantrum of another leader. And that, on every level, is unacceptable. That also indicates why the two people running for the top job in this country right now are completely inept completely inept and will not do anything to service this country in a positive way. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just talking brass tacks here. Jeremy Hunt has already shown himself to be of little fortitude when it comes to standing up to Donald Trump and his behavior and his commentary and his alignments, his criticism of our way of doing business, our internal matters. And Boris Johnson is is a version of Trump. He's in a he's Trump in a dumber looking body if that's even possible. But these guys aren't ready to stand up to America. Look at what we've done. Look what's just happened. And Theresa May says, oh, well, the government depends on public servants giving frank advice. But this public show here is nothing. I can guarantee you they wanted him to resign. They don't. Who are we going to trade with if we don't keep America sweet? And that's not even a guarantee. But this shows exactly why we didn't need to vote for Brexit and we shouldn't have voted for Brexit. We do not have the infrastructure of political personalities that can protect us against any inevitability that may come after we leave. You know, we've pissed off China. We've pissed off America. Where are we doing business, guys? Where are we doing business? And we just bend at a whim to a temper tantrum. It's disgraceful to me. The rest of the show is going to be on this level because the next two things I want to talk about are even more horrendous, in my opinion, than what we've already talked about. And that is disgusting, the fact that Tim Kim Darrick has resigned. The next thing I want to talk about is an announcement today by Matt Hancock, who's the health secretary of the UK, that the NHS will be integrated 
with Amazon's Alexa. He loves it. He's saying this is going to reduce some of the burden on the NHS. This is going to give people better advice. It's going to be linked directly to the NHS rather than going to, say, a WebMD or some random blog or whatever the results may take, you know, from, from the algorithmic point of view. This is going to be a direct link. A default if you ask medical advice, right? So a manipulation of the algorithm. But what kind of, what kind of integration is going to happen here? Because you would imagine there has to be some integration between Amazon and the NHS's servers, their infrastructure. How else is it going to be effective? Is it just going to be linked to the NHS's FAQs? In order for this to be effective, they would have to have knowledge about who you are. Or how could they give proper advice? Other than just, I got a stuffy nose. I have a sore throat. Take a paracetamol, drink some water. So my problem, which I'm not hearing anybody talk about, is the implications of what happens with our medical records and our data. And how come we haven't been given a voice on this? And how come nobody's asked us if this is a good thing or not? Or if we sign on to this or not? Don't get an Alexa. Well, I'm not going to get an Alexa. But that doesn't mean that thousands of people don't already have them that may start using the service without understanding what the implications of their data protection is. What are you signing on for? This is not one of those T's and C's where you can just brush over. This needs to be explicitly explained in public under inquiry so you can get all of the details from it before it's rolled out. And it can't happen. Why? Because it rolled out today. This is what we're... I mean... Do you know what the implications are when somebody has your medical information and you attach that to, say, a web service or an ad server and they start compiling medical-level data on people? Is there any comprehension out there of why this might be a bad idea? It's a data protection issue. Amazon is the biggest e-commerce company in the world. And they are integrating with your hospitals via voice control. If you think for a minute that this is going to be a surface level integration, and by that I mean they're just going to link, like I said, to some FAQs, to some standard responses. That is not going to happen. It may be like first version but Amazon aren't looking for top-level integration. They want deep integration. They want to know as much as they can. Their business is data. Everybody, everybody who is a tech giant, business is data. That's the new commodity. That's the new oil. And that's the new gold. The one who has the most data on the most people wins. Full stop. With everything going forward. And that's gross because that's eroding privacy. But when it comes to how you receive medical advice, the, the last thing that I want is that to be coming from Amazon. And I know it's not going to come from Amazon. It's going to come through Amazon. 
from the NHS. But how can I trust that? They might want to flog a certain type of medicine or a certain type of product or a certain type of therapy or whatever. The implications of this are deep. And I think it's appalling that nobody's had an inquiry about this as if it's not our concern, as if we don't need to know what they intend to do with this integration, what the full scope of this service is likely to be. So we just get led down a path where we give up without receiving. And the cloud of, you know, the veil of mystery is one that soon we'll forget about because the next TV program will be on. So who cares, right? Amazon, I'm feeling a bit raspy. Or Alexa, I'm feeling a bit raspy. Oh, you probably have laryngitis. You need to go see a GP, do I? Like, what's this thing going to do? We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, moving on. Moving on to what I really wanted to talk about today. And something that's dark, goes to the upper levels of power, and is something out of a movie. But not a, not a good movie, not a nice movie. Uh, you know, a depraved movie. A sick movie. And what I'm talking about is the arrest of Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. If you guys don't know anything about this case, Google it. I'm going to give you what I can give you in terms of a summary of what's happening and some of the parties that are connected with it. But effectively, Jeff, Jeff Epstein is a billionaire. I uh, believe he taught at Harvard. Or he's a mass, No, he's a massive donator, uh, donator uh, to Harvard. Um, he's a hedge fund guy. He ran, uh, he ran a company that was associated with only those with a billion dollar net worth or above. So you can understand the sort of circles he was running in. Now he was, uh, he was put under FBI investigation. It was a, an undercover operation that lasted about a year. And that was after the stepmother of a 14-year-old claimed that her young stepdaughter was recruited to go to Jeffrey Epstein's mansion in Florida and to strip and give him a massage and was paid $300 for her services. Now, what the sting operation showed was actually, over the course of that 11 months, 17 escorts, and I put escorts in quotation marks, visited him for you know, paid services. However, of those 17, five of them were underage. Now, he was brought up on charges. What happened was, cutting a very long story short in terms of this part of it, is he, he pleaded guilty to one count of sexual misconduct uh, and was forced to register as a sex offender. But... He made a plea deal which sealed his case from further investigation and kept him out of a life in prison, effectively. So through his power, influence, money, whatever, he got this, he got this major charge reduced to nothing. Because even the time he was supposed to be in prison, he was allowed out to work. So he would spend 12 hours a day in his office 
in downtown wherever it was. And he would basically just go to a private wing of a prison and sleep. So there was nothing. Now, he's been... These kind of things, these were investigated again, right? And tied up in this whole... In this whole mess is also a an aspect of human traffic. Not an aspect. It's human trafficking. I don't even know why I'm trying to candy coat this or go easy on this fucking savage. But basically, he was using these young girls that were being recruited by, apparently, his wife. She was the madam, apparently, from corroborated uh, stories from victims and witnesses, let's call them. But also, the people uh, that were performing these, he was, he was prostituting them out. He was lending them out to people who were in government and high-powered executives and, you know, whoever. Names that come up are Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Alan Dershowitz. Very, very prominent people all tied to this, being flown around in his private plane, being quoted as saying, yeah, that Jeff's a great guy. Donald Trump said, oh, you know, we've got a, he may have a greater love for beautiful women than I do or for young women than I do. There is a whole entanglement here that is, can only be described as a really deep, dark motherfuck because what it makes me think about is things like Pizzagate, right? Where they're running this pedophile ring in the basement of a, of a pizza shop. And it was called nonsense, but some crazy fucker went to the pizza shop and, and tried to shoot at the owner. And, you know, like crazy ramifications out of some of these accusations. But now I think, well, is there some truth to it that we just didn't know about? Because this indictment for Jeffrey Epstein was sealed. He was let off with a slap on the wrist to say it lightly, there's no, there's been no justice for these victims. It comes out in a further investigation that he's been hiding cameras around his residence where some of these prominent businessmen, politicians, and so on have been fucking these young girls and he's been filming it for purposes of blackmail, right? So he's got everybody by the nuts and the person that let him off in the first place was a guy called Alexander Acosta. Alexander Acosta is currently the Secretary of Labor for the U.S. government. We're starting to see a little bit of a tie-in here, a little bit of a circle of darkness here. Trump appointed him, has made comments about how much of a good guy Jeff Epstein is, but then apparently they had a falling out at Mar-a-Lago because he was hitting on this young girl and he got kicked out. But nobody's commenting on it. Nobody's commenting on it. But at the very, very bottom of this is evidence of a high-profile human trafficking operation that has been going on for well over, well, what is it? When was the first one? 2000, what did I say the Florida one was? It was like 2005 or something like that. 
So we're talking almost 15 years. And who knows if that's when it started? Who knows? But the guy's just been rearrested. And now he's been arrested on sex trafficking of minors in Florida and New York. So let's see who comes out. Who's entangled in this? Trump's already distancing himself from this. He's also supporting um, Alexander Acosta. But the tie-in to major political figures like presidents, current and former, like high-powered lawyers like Alan Dershowitz, like Harvard administration officials making $50 million donations to Harvard while Alan Dershowitz is teaching there. This is an entanglement of chaos, disruption, abuse of the worst kind. And who knows how deep it is. But we are allowing this power to go unchecked and it's not even making the goddamn news cycle. You've got 40, 40 potential victims and maybe more just around this one guy who was handing these girls out like candy and filming it so he could use it as blackmail later political influence seemed like these politicians seemed well if the politicians and the businessmen and the CEOs of his circle weren't interested in it how what would he have recorded we're talking about the deepest darkest levels of humanity here when you take other people as sex slaves as is claimed by one of Jeffrey Epstein's victims that he did you are the lowest of the low this guy, in my opinion, if convicted on the charges that are he's accused of, death penalty. Death penalty. He's been a registered sex offender since 2008, but they haven't done anything about it. This investigation now comes to light. I want everybody to tweet this out, to talk about this. To speak on this depravity. And I hope every single person implicated, if shown to be guilty of similar offenses like raping, having sex with underage girls. And who knows if it just stops at underage girls. This thing may go dark. This may thing may go wide. But I, th- I hope every single person that is associated with this, that took part, was complicit to this, hiding it, taking part in it. I hope... Every single one of you dies lonely behind bars. I hope every single one of them does. Because that's the only thing they deserve. They deserve to be victimized like they victimized people. As I stand up here on my soapbox thinking about it, how bad it hurts my heart to think of somebody so vulnerable. We're just talking about animals and how innocent and vulnerable they are. That's how I think of children. And let's be clear, very, very clear. These girls were children. Being passed around. Right? Being passed around like a blunt. Just disposable to chuck away, to throw a a few hundred dollars at. 
Where is our level of humanity? We're talking about things here today that have to do with humanity. We have to have our medical records protected and our data protected. We have to have our children protected. We have to have our children healthy. We got to stop worrying about the bullshit and focus on as dark and as nasty as it may be to look a monster in the eye. You have to look a monster in the eye because if you, if you shy away from it, it will beat you every time. Every single time. So if you don't know about it, have a look at the Jeffrey Epstein case. I don't know if I've done a very good job summarizing it, but it goes pretty deep. And I think the entanglement, you know, the entanglement of these high-level personalities in the U.S. government, in U.S. business, and so on, is a real revelation. It's going to be a revelation to people. Because the things you think, oh, this is a conspiracy theory, oh, that, that can't possibly happen. Oh, there's no way that happens. You know, this is proof that it does and that it is. And unless we shine a light on it, then power goes unchecked. And when you have unchecked power, then it's just going to be, it's just going to become the most corrupt version of itself possible. Because absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Unchecked power does the same thing. Even if it's not absolute, they'll push it as far as they can go. Because people in these types of circles are very, very similar. Pass a psychopath test with flying colors, you know? Dogged determination. Step over anybody. Take what they want. Do what they want. With anything less, anything less is inferior. And anything inferior is yours to do as you please. It's a dangerous mindset when it goes unchecked. And this motherfucker needs to be thrown in prison, given the death penalty for all I care. If, he's in, if he gets convicted in Florida, he very well could. I don't know if this kind of charge carries capital punishment, but I would love it if it did. Still trafficking human beings, huh? I know it's a huge industry globally, but fuck me, man. Can we get a bit of humanity back, please? That was the main thing that I wanted to talk about today. And I know it wasn't a very pretty subject, but sometimes it goes like that. Let's leave on a positive note. Let's leave on a, an exciting note. Let's leave on uh, something other than child sex trafficking. I hope you guys got to see the UFC last weekend. If you didn't, just go on YouTube and check it out. The Jorge Masvidal knockout of Ben Askren, fastest in UFC history. The fight between Holly Holm and Amanda Nunez was fantastic and it was great while it lasted. And the John Jones fight with Thiago Silva was really, really good despite a massive, significant injury early in the fight from uh, by Thiago. He hurt himself, hurt his knee. It was, uh, it was an amazing card, and there was a lot to watch. The whole card was phenomenal. Um, so, so check that out. Um, I don't know if that's the positive end we were looking for, but never mind. Um, that's it, guys. We're going to wrap it up. What have we been doing? Uh, almost just, yeah, just past 45 minutes. That's fine. So we're going to wrap. 
and I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate you guys appreciate you guys listening. Um, I hope you found out something you didn't know today. I hope you learned one piece of information perhaps you weren't aware of. And I hope maybe some of the subject matter causes you to go and investigate further. Like obesity, like human trafficking, like, you know, like what's going on with Brexit. Don't worry about the Meghan Markle thing. It's all blown over. Everybody's cool, yeah? You don't need to worry about that. Go look at something that's worth looking at. But more than that, have a great end to the week. This is going to be with you Thursday morning. And we look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you think. Let us know. Comment. We want to we wanna interact. So get in touch. Tune in. And we'll be back next week to do it again. That's episode 99. We're one away from 100. I cannot believe we've actually made it to 100. And as I said, episode 100 is our first guest. It's our first interview. I think you're going to like the guests. We've got some really cool stuff to talk about. And uh, yeah, we'll be bringing that in a couple of weeks. So get us on Spotify, get us on iTunes, get us on SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can download a podcast is pretty much available for you. So um, follow us on Twitter. If you've got any questions, things you want us to discuss, look into, all that good stuff, hit us up on Twitter. We want to hear from you. You can find us at QuietPartLoud. Um, and that's it. So again, thanks for listening. I'm the host of this thing. My name's Daryl. It's been an absolute pleasure. Episode 98 is a wrap. And until next time, guys, all the best.